0: So I was uh, sort of scrambling a bit to get ready for this show. I mean, it's a it's a topic I'm really really passionate about, but I feel like as usual you've done like eighteen thousand times more research than I have. Um, and I was I was trying to jot down some notes, and I and I grabbed this pen, and I was like, "Ah, oh, damn it! <laughs> this pen is is out of ink." And I swear I just got this pen out the other day. I don't know. So I I go to my jar and and I grab an even more reliable piece of technology known as the number 2 pencil. <laughs> yes. And it's it's like really actually kind of old, old quintessential like pencil that I grew up with. It's it's like not really sharp. The eraser is almost gone, you know. And I'm like, "You know what? This is amazing." Yeah. This is what I'm talking about in terms of I just had this moment of like I can rely on this piece of technology.
1: Yeah. I, well, that immediately highlights for me, and then you can bring us around to the question. That immediately highlights for me something I was thinking about this week as, uh, or even just the past couple of days as we've been ruminating on this topic, although we've been talking about this off and on um, on our uh, extensive, which I hope will be published after our death uh, uh, tweet thread. Um, so, uh, Sorry, not tweet thread, but a message thread, um, text thread, is that there is this tendency, uh, I always see error first, There's this error within our society generally that tends to see uh, technology as uh, progressive slash uh, constantly evolving. I mean, I think this is a general error in nomenclature or semantics that people fall into. I've fallen into it myself. We fall into generally, which is to assume that over the progress of time, meaning time continues that we progress, meaning we improve or we evolve. Uh, Progress can also be a devolution. We've seen this time and time again, right? Manifest destiny is something we've talked about in a bunch of different uh, uh, pods uh, here where there's progress, right? There's time, there's organization, there's all these things brought to bear in a colonial impulse, let's say, um, that wipes out what at the very least should have been integrated into whatever cohesive, like new system of A plus B. Um, and likewise, I, I've constantly thought of that every time I have to reach for a pencil, w- w- cause I've had that same experience. I'm assuming most people listening have had it. And I can feel the weight of history upon me. I don't just, I never grab a pencil and just go, oh, I'll try the pencil. I'm always like, look at this, look at this. Inside my head it's just like, ah, look at this, back to the pencil. The pencil's better, more reliable is the is the key here. Is the more reliable, more essential uh, tool than say you know an iPad, although the you know obviously the, the fast processing capabilities of technology are continually expanding before us. But fast processing doesn't mean better, doesn't mean why, wi- and this is doesn't mean wiser. Progress time sp- spent doesn't mean progress. I think it's the. And it may even relate to i'm just gonna throw all the things out there and we'll see if we'll pick up any of these uh through all the strings colorful strings this may relate to people's mis, like um incomprehension or miscomprehension of like evolutionary theory which is just like oh everything's constantly evolving you're like that's no no literally various and sundry creatures are well that's really loud um Creature like things are evolving, or or creatures are evolving. Meanwhile, other creatures are failing to adapt, and then they flipping die off. So we have this as humans, we're like we're kind of the top of the evolutionary food chain, <laughs> and so we feel like everything we're doing is just constantly improving us. When you're like, no, we we're also constantly adding maladaptive elements to us as human beings, potentially to the point where, like, I don't know how far where how far away we are from that like wall rendering ourselves somewhat useless, or as we may touch on with AI in this episode, uh, potentially making ourselves obsolete.
0: <laughs> well, two quick riffs on the pencil and I'll speak to that last point. Um, I'm reminded as <laughs> as I'm talking about the pencil that that, that even became a, a kind of um, elitist thing or or maybe even supremacy when I was a kid because my dad was a college professor and and I remember he had these black warrior p- pencils Ooh. you know and they were like they were cool they were they were like black and I don't know may, I don't know if they were higher quality is like they're really different quality in graphite I don't know I guess maybe <laughs> but but it just felt like oh look at this cool thing you know I'm, yeah. I'm using the same pencil the college kids use <laughs> yes oh totally um, and, then, and then and then later I I really got into like mechanical pencils like mm-hmm. I, I was just all about it, you know. So it's just fascinating to even think back. And some of the themes we talk about in terms of, you know, supremacy or um, or to your yeah, just just to your point, evolution. I wish the I wish the humans uh, would evolve more quickly, but I, I I'm with you. I think we're I think we're stuck in some ways. I think maybe that's part of the illusion with technology. I think in some ways our technology is is it seems like uh, maybe. Leaving aside actual like cyborg stuff, like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, cyber, cybernetic implants or whatever, it kind of gives us the illusion that we're evolving. Maybe just because things are like moving faster, and we, you know, I think we'll talk yes. certainly about some of the benefits of technology, even like, yes. like this right now, like what we're doing, like we're using, yeah, amazing technology
1: absolutely. Um, and the pencil, and what a great, what a, what a beneficial technology, how amazing is that?
0: <laughs> um, but. So one of the other ways technology is is bringing me a lot of joy right now uh, is is I'm actually getting back into computer games i I gained a decent amount when I was a kid and my brother and I, I have an older brother he, we would play he he's we could dig into this sort of how this works you know psychologically, but the bottom line is he he's the one who likes to figure out the game like we get a new board game. he's gonna read the manual, he's gonna figure it out and then he's gonna like basically teach everybody else how to do it. So that's, that's a pattern that, that brings me a lot of comfort to like, you know, play a game with my older brother and, you know, have him yeah. uh, explain things to me. So there's this game called Stellaris, which is like a galaxy conquest game. It's very complex and it's, there's a lot of like world building and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of strategic components to it. Some military pieces and all that rest. Um, it's, it's, I feel like a, a lot like a game we played growing up called Civilization and, um, it's funny. The like the I think it was the first time we played this game when he was teaching it to me. I you can choose all these different alien races, and you you can choose to be humans if you want, basically. Uh, but then I chose this robot race that. The whole story. It's very good at telling a story, and the whole story of yeah. this particular robot race is that this this is the evolution of of like the AI we are creating right now. Mm-hmm. And the story in this game was I'm playing this robot race that essentially evolved out of humanity
1: and then yeah. eventually
0: became sentient which is pretty much the theme of all my favorite sci-fi it's like robot you know <laughs> consciousness in general and what does it yeah. mean and, and, yeah. and then sort of synthetic consciousness whatever um but then so in this case oh this this robot race emerges and then it actually is very benevolent it realizes mm. that it, it, it like takes pity on humans in a way it, this race is like oh my god we realize yeah. that the only way humans can actually thrive and get along is for for us to take care of every single one of their needs, and, yeah. and because we because that's how they evolved, right? Like, and we're already doing that. We're already automating all this stuff. So it's a very, yeah. to me, a very feasible uh, idea of where all of this could go. Oh, yeah. And it's very, very, very far from the worst case scenario. I'm like, that doesn't sound too bad. I mean, it's it's a wally kind of thing where the yeah. everything's taken care of, and, and hopefully we're not yeah. just, oh, you know, hopefully that. end up being a little more healthy than we're portrayed in in the wally scenario Um, yeah but you know given everything i've studied about just just human psychology and and socialization and and just just how even even when i feel like i'm I've, i've talked about this you know i've been hunting for like the perfect revolution which is just a total like fallacy and and it's very lazy right to just and and sort of projecting onto everybody else like oh you should be perfect or whatever um And so I've, I don't know, I've kind of grown out of that, but this idea that, oh, over here, you know, it's like the activists have the right answer and the consciousness people like understand how we should relate emotionally. And -hmm. it's like, you know, there are pieces of truth and all of that, but no, but nobody has cornered the market on how, how we should behave and and how we should interact and, and all of that. And I think that's a lot of the theme we have here. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was, um, it was just really fascinating. And in that game, the, the, it's literally uh, named as a pet race, so mm, so you're yeah. playing the I'm I'm playing the robots, and then I have to take care of the humans as, as yeah. basically like a, a pet, and it's, you know, it make it all makes sense. It's actually totally plausible.
1: <laughs> That's yeah. Well, especially I don't know when this game was created, but it seems very cogently connected to now slash the past. 10, 15 years, especially, um, where I had never heard the term uh, until the past maybe 10 to 15 years, uh, cat mom, dog mom, that whole premise of like, I think it's who I think it's horrifying, by the way. I'd be happy to talk to anybody who considers them a cat mom or a dog mom or a dog dad or a cat dad. I think it's horrifying. Uh, but it speaks to that same premise. Also, we are prevalently in the sort of generational miasma of. The era of the helicopter parent, I think, especially as relates to our obviously we are of uh, whatever we're like a elder, what is it, geriatric millennial slash super, super late G- gen X. We got we're zinials. Talked, we're zinials. We're zenials. Oh, yeah. We got our own category. Um, but we like we didn't grow up with helicopter. Pa- I mean, I grew up with super strict parents or whatever, but they weren't helicopter at all. Like I spent, I don't know. As a, as we a were kid. like
0: latchkey kids, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, my, my mom was home all the time. So I, I was never latchkey oh, okay. style, but like, I, um, but we just, I was never home. Like as a kid, like when I was a seven or eight old, I was out of the house, man, for like four to six oh. hours a day, just like out in the neighborhood or in the trailer park or in the woods or whatever, or reading a book, just like, I wasn't around people and people weren't now, listen, I was well taken care of, especially being a parent. Now I was like, Certainly, uh, but generationally, it's fascinating to see that that's how people tune the robots uh, in the in the narrative. A because it's tenable, but B because it's also something that we gravitate towards as like uh, uh, I don't know, like goods, like caretaking, good the good way of caretaking uh, within our present society. You know, and it also comes from because uh, this will come up too. It comes from a left. Uh, a left, I would say a left bias. I've been looking at media bias a lot the past couple of years because I, as I've talked about on the show, i ignored the news for most of my life. And then about since all of a sudden news became very pressing where I was told not to leave my house and I couldn't work anymore. I was like, hold on, what's going on out there? Um, and I noticed how aggressively biased. I'm going to go ahead and say statistically all news is. So there's a, and so I've started noticing like cool patterns of like what are left and I'm a registered independent. And I know some people are like, I roll about there, but whatever, um, that there are, there are left and right biases tribally of like, oh, people tend towards this psycholization. And that, that, uh, manifestation of robot is also very left biased. That's a very left biased interpretation. meaning cause again, that's generally how, at least p- politically how it's been playing out is that like, um, uh, essentially the a patriarch or the, the state will take care of you. Like that's kind of the state's job is to sort of be a daddy. And I've talked about this with the Yellowstone succession thing. And I was like, I really see this popping up in society all over the place. It's just like, we need to constantly develop to where we are taken care of by other people, by the systems we create, by AI, by robots, by whatever. It's this, it's this desire to be taken care of. And I think part of that is fostered by, sure, that socialist uh, impulse or like the joys of authoritarianism and the negative. But it's also just the, it's a response from a high anxiety society (laughs) where we're like, of course, we're just like, mommy, daddy, like things are messed up. And we, I think we, because of the internet, especially we like know it more and more. We see evidence of it constantly. It's constantly available at our fingertips. And so like, no wonder we want to be, taking care of, you know, yeah. it's just, and then, and then of course the, the fun idea of like voting or blah, blah, like, which I think is a semi-fallacy um, <laughs> or the same thing with like technology creation is it's like, we get to, this is a weird thing. We get to choose our parents essentially. And again, this is right. my, I'm always trying to tie everything back to like the dominance of new age thinking in the American ideology as having replaced sort of like Judeo-Christian thought I think probably before I was born. Um, it's that concept of like, I know and because I, I know people in my life who are like, yeah, you choose your parents before you're born, um, like from the cosmic uh, ether yeah, or yeah. whatever. And so I think in, in many ways, I think that's since that's the prevalent ethos, I just wish people would talk about it because they don't, so then we can't really confront it directly. So whatever. But um, whereas we can with the Christian thing, you can be like, oh, this is, yeah, but they did this. And th- when they did this, that was bad because they did other." You know what I mean? We can track the trajectory better. Um, but it's that, I think we're trying to create that same scenario now with technology. It's like, I'm going to choose uh, who takes care of me. Who's my mommy? Who's my robot mommy?
0: Yeah, I. you named it. I was thinking it. Um, I hang out with yeah, lots of people who, who believe that the soul chooses chooses the journey, chooses the parents, chooses the path, which is certainly a nod for the pro life argument. I think. Um,
1: like, <laughs> no, you chose someone who's going to some, murder you. Yeah.
0: Somebody chose it. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah that's that's a that's a pro choice argument. Okay, cool. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you know, I love
1: you know, I love dancing around.
0: <laughs> there's a, there's somebody I I so admire, uh, Peter Block. Uh, uh, people can look him up, uh, but he i've heard him say this before but i, I was on a, a call or like a whatever yeah a call a zoom thing with him the other day and he i heard him say this again and he was <laughs> i think it was like a mentor of his that said this but he's like don't argue with me because i'm gonna i'm gonna take your side <laughs> yes and I was like oh yeah that's it right there <laughs> yeah and i feel like that's a lot of what <clears throat> you and i uh, attempted to do. a couple of quick things um you mentioned helicopter parents the other day whatever the other month i don't know uh it was hanging out with somebody really wealthy and there there was this anecdote (laughs) oh yeah we we heard about helicopter parenting and then our reaction was oh yeah well well, we have a helicopter is that bad (laughs) like like, that's not what we're talking about but it does relate to but it does bring it back to technology so yes it
1: totally does yeah yeah yeah
0: um and then i you know i'm just kind of early in my journey actually of, of um learning about attachment theory finally getting around to uh reading the body keeps the score by uh, Bessel van der Kolk and so yeah that's all entangled with that I think like attachment theory and why why do we grip you know grip and I it's just yeah I I I think it's worth us and everybody continuing to talk about because I I feel like the 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 liberal like um uh motto or something is 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 about freedom uh you know and that's certainly what i i think why i've leaned all in that direction a lot and i mean i hear what you're saying Where when you look at a lot of the details of how that plays out there's a lot of attachment to um you know, a patriarchal kind of control mechanism. Yeah, or, yeah. Or I somebody, mean, I think, somebody to take care of us. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I think traditionally, I didn't. I don't know if I always recognize this when I was more like, I think, enmeshed in like specifically democratic thought. But generally, like looking at how just people break down political parties, like the the right, I think even better than Republican Democrat, I think the right is associated with small government. So like sh- literally, and and the left right, is sort of a big, you know, it, just in that sense. So then you're literally setting up technology well I, I don't want to get but let's I'm gonna put quotations around that kind of technology so we can keep the conversation focused because systems or uh organizational principles or framework designs could technically be described as like technology organizational technology I don't I, I, but I'm putting a quote around that on purpose because um, we are talking about technology um but like the, the idea is to create systems that sustain foster, progress evolve that sort of that sort of sense like in the left or whatever
0: um word yeah and i think uh, particularly specifically relating it to how this all began with with some of the things that you know those people who would i think label themselves probably as as progressive or if not activists or anarchists are the same ones being like we need this vaccine we need these masks we need you know we need to do these protocols handed down by by who? The, the and, state. So we want very won't, much so the government. Won't, yeah, we want to unpack all of that. Go back and listen to those episodes. Um, but, no, no, no. But that's uh, but it's
1: part of what I think it's what technology is for. Though I mean, like technology that we cling to. Go back to the right. It's about fostering. That's the idea. Is is fostering better existence, right? Fostering like here's a thing that we can use to then make life life better. You know, so then why?
0: Uh, Yeah. Well, one, one funny example of that is, uh, is the squatty potty. So, and this has come up because somebody I work with just got one. And I remember, you know, I love the commercial. I never had one. Um, But for those who don't know, it's the, it's the idea that, you know, we are biologically designed to squat when we poop. And the toilet, I think, is this really interesting example of a technology that seemed Great, right? It seemed like wow, oh, we we can we can just sit here and be so lazy when we poop. Uh or <laughs> yeah. for some of us pee, pee perhaps. Um and uh <laughs> and it turns out that that's really really bad for our for our intestines. And go look up yeah. Squatty Putty if you want to learn more about that. Uh could we get a sponsorship with Squatty Putty? <laughs> yeah, Maybe. I know. Okay. I got
1: I got a wooden, I got a bamboo one in both my bathrooms, so I'm 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 on it.
0: Oh, you're on it. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, But it's just, I think it's a a brilliant example. And I think it's funny, even in my team, you know, we do DEI work and I was like correlating and I was saying, I do, I think a lot of the challenges we face are because we're looking, we're, we're looking for simple answers. We're, we're, we're lazy about our thought and we're lazy about, you know, and, and this is, I'm pointing a lot at me. This is why I'm here with you because I think this is always challenging me to like, you know, go deeper and read more references and, Look at more sources and all of that, um, and even just sharpen my sword, so to speak, with you um, in what I think. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's a huge leap to to say that oh, we have this tendency to want to use technology to. Yeah, I agree with you, make life better, but sometimes yeah. better feels like easier, and then we realize yes. oh, easier wasn't actually better. <laughs> Along the- yeah,
1: yeah. Easier is very dangerous. Yeah, easier is not good for our brains much at all. But again, this is this is the, always the thinking under the thinking. I think all, another heavy influence is the whole concept of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Even if people don't know that tri- that triangle, but his, and I know it's a simplification of his thing, but it basically says you have to take care of your sort of quote unquote practical needs, meaning like food, shelter, safety, et cetera, and then you can pursue high order goals. I think technology, as in our sort of modern concept of it, tends to be like, how do we take care of the bottom of the pyramid so then we can self-actualize, pursue purpose, creative output, all this sort of stuff. Now, generally, of course, I've said this before, but every time I mention it, I think that – I don't know if it's Maslow's actual – I haven't read his theory. I've just read his triangle. (laughs) So, uh, But I think the triangle is exactly upside down, like it's completely – it's completely, it's really good. It's a good uh, assemblage of of relevance, uh, but it's completely upside down. I think purpose is far more important than being fed. I think expression is far more important than shelter, safety, uh, etc. Um, and I draw on that from, you know, whatever teleological principles, as well as just my innate intuitive understanding of existence, uh, as well as obviously being a Christian. But, you know, whatever, like, you know, you look at the, teleology and the, you know concentration camps and like the people who died were the people who didn't have purpose um so pr- purpose is way more important than food you know i've often said this that like you know people were like you know you blame people for stealing or uh, i pretty much got swindled shout out to swindler i got swindled pretty much uh, yesterday at chipotle lucky them I know. Uh, I got swindled giving some people some, uh, they asked for money. I gave them food. It cost me twice as much as the money I asked for. Uh, and then they were also, they, more people came and sat down and ate the food. Two of the parents were quite, I would say, almost approaching, you know, certainly obese. So I was like, mm, they're doing quite well. They eventually got in the car and drove away, you know, that kind of thing, um, which I think happens quite a bit, but whatever. I, I'd rather be a, a victim uh, <laughs> than uh a, than a victim. A victim of giving? Yeah, victim, victim of, of getting giving. yeah, yeah than then, then a, then a victimizer. Um, and I totally lost my train of thought as I got uh, wrapped up in my umbrage.
0: I think I can bring us back. Um, yeah. Somehow this is all uh, going to segue into a, a, a more specific conversation about digital technology, internet technology, uh, and some of the things that are emerging there. One thing, I, one framing I want to offer that I don't think I talk too much about on this podcast is uh, that I I had a I saw a vision in a dream in 2007 uh of the future of the internet and it was mm. very different it wasn't these like long endless cascades of comments where people aren't really meeting or talking to each other I, I think in most comment trai- chains people are just basically showing up with a confirmation bias and you know y- you know not really reading the whole thing not really connecting they don't really know yeah. any of the other yeah. people they drop they drop in a thing I don't know you you've described some longer back and forths which is probably more constructive. Like that's at least you're engaging over a longer period of time, you know, with, with yeah. somebody on the internet. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I think that's just wildly dysfunctional. Um, and this was even back in 2007, which is was a fascinating year. That's the year, you know, Twitter um, either came out or, or kind of went, I think, I think it had technically been out for a while, but it went big that year. Uh, Foursquare, Facebook went beyond college campuses. The iPhone came out. I mean, it was oh, yeah. a big... Frickin' year for like digital yeah. technology, and uh, and for me, I saw this dream, and it was all about small group dialogues. Like, how can we use the internet to organize, you know, like virtual dialogue spaces? And then eventually, like a lot, a lot of years later, twelve years later, that would become my startup, Feel Real. And then now I'm involved with another uh, startup, translator that that is really bringing merging technology in a very very cool way with with dialogue practices. Um, so I, I want to offer that framing like that's so much of my journey yeah. and, and one of the ways I describe feel real is like, you know, we, we did a lot of things, especially during the pandemic because we were like already all about, you know, di- a virtual dialogue spaces, we hosted like 300 dialogues we're proud of that. I mean a lot of it was oriented around, you know, racial in- injustice and and to- topics like that. Um, but, and we're we're actually right now kind of like, in a soul searching period, and, mm. and sort of re- reorganizing the team. but you know, one of the folks on the team is, is super passionate because she's driven by her child, uh, having been in Montessori uh, and, and then moving now to a public school uh, in Chicago, well, actually technically in a park suburb of Chicago. And, um, you know, her being kind of shocked by by the iPad usage. Mm-hmm. And just, it's really like, like it motivated her to to to, to look at this more specifically. And, you know, I, I tend to be, I tend to go really wide, but not always deep. And so she had, um, I had, I told her about the the Center for Humane Technology, uh, I, I think started by Tristan Harris, uh, who uh, was the main person behind the social dilemma, you know, really and he, he used to work at Facebook, right? And so he's lo- really looking at like, how is Facebook designed, you know, and, and one of my uh, co-founders at Feel Real coined this term, uh, algorithms of outrage, which I really, I like yeah. that term. Yeah. I think it's pretty accurate. Um, and so I think we can we can dig in a little more there perhaps. Uh, because yeah. one of the things I like is that the, the Center for Humane Technology created a, a ledger of harms, uh, mm. which I know I just sent it to you pretty recently. Um, yeah. But I like the way this is organized because it, it, it actually categorizes things as like peer reviewed or journalism or yeah. you know and, and i and i think you said one of the links was broken maybe but you know theoretically this is a pretty cool way to organize research i think yeah uh, and the research is is uh not 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 good <laughs> you know it would be my my short synopsis of, of sort of what it points to is the impact um and and i'll just maybe i'll just look through the, some of the categories you know they they break it down into like the next generations like what is the mm. impact uh on developmental delays Suicide, etc. Making sense of the world, attention and cognition, um, physical and mental health, social relationships, politics yeah. and elections, systemic oppression, and um, do unto others. Uh hmm. in, um, so I was digging into a couple of these categories. Um, and and one that we we talk about a lot. I think certainly going back to the how this began with talking about the the pandemic and our kind of social and and political and uh, I don't know, systemic reaction to that, uh, is, is, about, um, let's see, let me find it. Yeah. So this, this was fascinating. Uh, this is actually under attention and cognition. Uh, so our memory systems automatically prioritize superficial social text over more complex forms of text. For example, after, after reading news online, people are significantly better at remembering other readers' comments rather than sentences from the article itself or even its headline. This is in part due to the social, parentheses, gossipy nature of posted comments. Similarly, users remember Facebook posts significantly better than sentences from a book or even human faces on the same scale as the memory difference between amnesiacs and non amnesiacs so that one's huge let's let's tag that and then i and then i also want to drop in the spread of true and false news online and and this study um that lies and i'm looking at an article they reference actually in science um uh, i guess science magazine which I've, i know you've cited before at least as as a source um although yeah we shouldn't, we shouldn't trust the source over the specific study but uh <laughs> but anyway, so this one i want maybe i i'll summarize this um you know the bottom line on this one was uh let me find it here it is um you know first of all i kind of appreciate that they it seems like we have we're even like avoiding calling it fake news so so fake news to me sort of was the thing that you know trump trump like defined that in a certain way um yeah. so i think here they're calling it true and true and false news right so yeah uh And this was interesting, right? Given the time period I just mentioned about my own journey. So this study looked at at, um, tweets right on on Twitter, uh, rumor cascades, as they're called, from 2006 to 2017. Hmm. And about 126,000 rumors were spread by 3 million people. False news reached more people than the truth. And falsehood also diffused faster than the truth. This is fascinating. The degree of novelty and the emotional reactions of recipients may be responsible for the differences observed.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Now, that, that I think there's one of those studies they referenced. That was one I couldn't get to. Because, of course, whenever someone says true and false stories, I'm like, okay, well, wait. What, my immediate question, I'm like, well, what are the metrics? I can't even focus on the general content. This is how my brain works. I'm like, okay, well, wait, what what did you use as true and false stories? Did you create false stories and share true stories? Or did you identify stories that were actually true and label them as false in terms of, you know what I mean? That's always, this is why I always have to so, get gran- granular with the data. So here's what they say. We
0: classified yep. news as tr- true or false using information from six independent fact-checking organizations that exhibited 95 to 98% agreement on the classification.
1: Okay, so that's low. I would call that like low what is it? Low confidence results. Only because every fact check I've ever read has been inaccurate, at least in part, like demonstrably so, Um, and biased, significantly biased. So yeah, I mean, fact checks are essentially, this is interesting. So and this is one of the fascinating sourcing things in terms of, this is just, I know this is a sidetrack, but this is, a, I just hope that this is helpful for people's brains. So, like, they the thing I liked about what you sent me, I love, I thought that was such a smart way of organizing things also, being like, hey, this is journalism, this is, uh, this is peer-reviewed science, right? So then you can refer to that study as peer-reviewed science, right? Uh, because it was published as such. However, the metrics they use are fact check sites, which is I would even say on the bottom end of journalism. Meaning, fact checks are technically opinion pieces. Uh, this was uh, the Facebook fact check specifically. This was talked about. This is established in court of law. Um, whatever for whatever's that—that's worth, of course. Um, that uh, all the Facebook fact checks were technically legally uh, opinion pieces. So. That then is basing its high, entire identity of what true and false is on, in some ways, like the lowest form of, of, not the lowest form, but like the least objective form of journalism, even though it's called a quote unquote fact check. Now, that means that's essentially, in a sense, that would be a consensus of journalistic opinion, ostensibly, Um for that. Anyway, I just want people to know that as like a quick, like whenever I read studies or whatever, like, that's the first question I ask when someone says true or false. So it was like, who says, so, so that would make, that would then say the, and especially the order, the order of magnitude of how fast things progress. Um, we have no idea whether they're just based on that metric. I haven't looked at the study. Maybe they're actually talking about true and false things, but that immediately makes you go, well, wait, their entire metric of true and false could be literally upside down could be completely, completely wrong. You know what I mean? Um, I was just reading- Go ahead. Why are you making everything so hard? <laughs> I don't, just use true, I've read other studies. I didn't know, I've read other studies on this phenomenon and and people literally, for some studies, they put out like definably false stories. They would take a story and they would add like a false element and then watch it. So that this, I absolutely believe the findings generally are accurate. Um, I think it has as much to do with dopamine as anything, Um, because the ones that are more since I think the things that move are more emotional sensational and the this outrage machine. Um, I I know a lot of people disagree with me. I'm sure they have a good reason for it. Um, A lot of people tend to describe anger or outrage as like a quote unquote negative or sort of deleterious emotion. Um, I think it feels great. I think it's literally just good feeling. I think our body mostly receives that. It. as like, I feel alive and wonderful. Not everyone, but that's certainly how I receive. Anger. anger is one of the best feelings. It's great because it's activating and it makes you feel alive and it makes you feel useful. And it makes you feel like, especially as a man, maybe it's even, maybe this is why men are prone to displays of anger in the way that they are. Um, it's also like purpose driven. Like my purpose as a larger figure in the community larger than women or children, is to seek out danger and destroy it. If a lion comes in, I'm not allowed really, like socially, and I think this is acceptable, I'm not allowed to stay indoors. (laughs) You know, I'm one of the people who has to pick up a spear um, and go and try to, I don't want to kill the lion. I actually would rather make friends with it. And I hopefully, hopefully it talks like Aslan, Um, but I'm supposed to drive the lion out. So I think that's I think that's fascinating. There's a gossipy element, certainly, but there's actually like a. Speaking of technology, it actually taps into the sort of ingrained or created technology in us, you know, whatever gods AI <laughs> run amok.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to certainly be looking through more of these studies. Um, there, there's, there's, I don't even know, dozens of different references on here, different studies. It's a you great. Know, I, I just yeah, I just clicked on awesome. one that you know is actually from like 2014. So this is some of these are kind of old, but you know yeah. it's a, looks like a peer-reviewed you know meta-analysis on the relationship between um, peer victimization, cyberbullying, and suicide in children. So I you know perhaps as we both have more time to go through this, we can talk about it more in depth. It's a but,
1: yeah, just for anyone listening, it's a great resource.
0: Cool. So what you just said uh though takes takes you back to the first one right around like the spread of false news that I was citing in that last part right the degree of novelty and the emotional reactions of recipients may be responsible for the differences observed uh i i i think you were just agreeing with that i also absolutely agree yeah. with that in terms of just the our how our emotions mingle with uh our interactions online because because we have to like fill in a lot of emotional information like we're basically Tons, imagining yeah. What is happening on the other side of that? Uh, that we were so far removed yeah. from the person who who sent it. Even maybe it's even worse, right? If we see a picture of them, then then we're like sort of filling in all of these projections based on just you know yes. like a probably a crappy little profile image. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we agree with that, and and you like weave in you know feeling right or or righteousness. Um, which I maybe blend those in a way that you don't, but that that idea of being right. I think mixes there too. And yeah, that, you know, I know, I know I cited the book hospicing um, modernity where it's like one of the first times I'd actually heard somebody even attempt to correlate the different brain chemicals, the different pleasure chemicals, such as dopamine with mm-hmm. I- ideas of like being right or feeling right. Yeah. Uh, or, or defending ourselves or feeling powerful. Yeah. What like whatever we're defending. Like it's <laughs> yes. just like a, it's a, like dopamine is neutral, right? In the sense that it's yep. just. Um, Here's your drug. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how how right that is in like an actual uh, referenced or, or verifiable way. <laughs> no,
1: no. Well, it's funny too, cause all these, I mean, even these sorts of findings about what technology is doing is enhancing or focusing itself on the elements uh, that I think a lot of us expect or hope technology will improve upon. Um, that we, if we're able to connect with people around the world, then shouldn't that open up our understanding and make us more empathic and more inclusive? Um, As we develop AI, shouldn't AI then, if we can take the sort of emotional element out of it and we can do a version, almost like put a version of ourselves out there without emotion, then shouldn't that at least be able to process information so much more objectively, cleanly, et cetera? You know, there's a lot of, I think a lot of those hopes for technology, are it's very hard to tell. Like, is the is this just highlighting the harm that we're trying to ameliorate, or is this actually enhancing the harm that we're seeking to ameliorate? And it's extremely difficult to figure out.
0: Yeah, here's another one I want to cite, just because this relates to so much of what we talk about. There's a whole category under systemic oppression, which in and of itself, you know, is, is something I think you and I don't see eye to eye on. And th- the first one was fascinating to me, right? So it's this was journalism uh, yeah. in that category. So Facebook's internal training materials for its moderators state, we allow praise, support, and representation of white separatism as an ideology, e.g., the US should be a white-only nation. Mm. At the same time, Facebook notes that our implementation standards prohibit organizations and people dedicated to promoting hatred and violence against people based on their protected characteristics.
1: Hmm. Interesting. But then it does well it's fascinating, right? And then we know having watched Facebook the past number of years that maybe this is partially because of the government intervention that's been quite clearly openly uh, demonstrated um that they don't do that. They don't follow that, you know what I mean? And again, what we all started with, right? In terms of hatred, discrimination even violence or certainly the allowance of violence or the allowance of death uh, to the unvaccinated, for example. Um, not a protected category. Uh, so I don't know if that was racial specific or but like um, as though that was somehow the rele- the only relevant uh, identity. So it's fascinating too. And I think this is a huge thing. Um, this is very similar to like the U.S. Constitution or the application of the U.S. Constitution. Like I think U.S. Constitution is awesome, right? Um, the application of it often ran contrary to the to the words themselves, right? Especially in considering, like, who a person was, <laughs> right? Uh, so it's similar that, like, this sta- it's fascinating to look at statement pieces and then how they do it. Um, or the Bible is a great example, right? You're like, here's, I think the Bible is in the infallible word of God, uh, people's application of such absolutely not the case, <laughs> absolutely not infallible, uh, You know, fallible uh, often to tragic or uh, fatal consequences. Um, so it's fascinating to me that this speaks so much to like intention, uh, we've talked about this too, right? Intention and sort of act- like actual result. Um, and I think, oh, this is a funny thing I've been thinking about recently too, the the binary element, which talks about what we're talking about here and loops back to the first thing you said um, in terms of like looking at the harm analysis. I am a firm believer in binary thinking. I think it is false, though, to say if you look at something like all social media technology and this harm analysis, you could fall into a binary of, oh, my gosh, look at all this harm. This is bad, right? This is what I call just like lazy binary thinking. Instead, you actually have to zoom in to every single interaction and find the binary within each element, right? This is just the list of harms. I think a lot of folks... I don't fall into this as much, but I'm sure I fall into to some degree, but a lot of folks fall into this deeply where things have to be all good or all bad. And then that's why people, I think this is, again, we talked about the pandemic, like this is why people couldn't brook any conversation about vaccine harm. They're like, no, they're all good. If you talk about harms, that means it's bad. And you're like, what, is, what does that come from? That is like, I, I honestly don't even know where that, because that, I love trying to figure out where these sort of theologies uh, arrive from. I don't even know where that comes from, but it's very similar here to technology that like to examine the harms as we're doing right now is not a dismissal in any way, shape or form of like the potential. Because I think both you and I, social media is a great example um, of all these harms, but you and I both like richly see Maybe even believe in the benefits. I'm becoming more and more skeptical. I think over the past year or so uh, of the benefits of social media, but I can't. I can't stop trying. I mean, I literally try my hardest <laughs> every day. Yeah. To point You know. So that's I, oh I, it just. I, it was just an important caveat I wanted to introduce, especially as the as the resonant binary uh, binary thinker that like this is none of this is intended to dismiss, and no one should consider it as dismissal. You have to weigh these things. It's always, it is always some version of a harm uh benefit analysis.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I left that that part of my story in 2007. I got so excited about social media, you know. Yeah. And
1: oh, me there too, were man. parts
0: of this I had, you know, pieces I had been tracking. I you mean, know, how we were on Friendster or whatever, you know, way back in the day. Yes. Um, you it's were tough. you owe me the best friendster testimonial. I hope I kept it somewhere. Um, that's that I, was I, the best part I, of Friendster. Missed, yep, yep. Uh so you yeah, know, we were it's just we're in this weird little pocket of a generation right where we saw like the earliest seeds of this but we didn't really grow up with it like to your point I was yeah I was running around and yeah all that uh, as a kid too so uh, but I I love what you just said and I and yes like I think you and I often come back to uh, you know our own attempt at, at a harm benefit analysis and you know what, what i got really excited about in 2007 was the power for everybody to have a voice and i, I started saying well everybody everybody yeah. ought to have a voice and everybody ought to have a filter i think we've done so much better at the voices than the filters like <laughs> i mean i just heard there's yeah. 50 million books on amazon you know there's hundreds of thousands self-published so it's like you anybody can ready basically you know aside from the digital divide basically anybody can start in a channel anywhere um you know at least here in america and but it's like overwhelming. So I think that's the problem we're having. And I think that's why we try to jump to these binaries and sort of oversimplified answers because it's, it's just overwhelming and it's getting worse. There's just this fire hose. And I think you're a little more predisposed to, to, to deal with the fire hose in a variety of ways. That's, that's what I sense about you. Just, just like you can interpret lots of data and and maybe you even like that. But one, one thing I want to in that vein you know um it's interesting like i i I sort of quietly boycott amazon for the most part um you know it's it's weird though because you know with the work i do with mutual aid it's like oh we realized an amazon wish list is a way to give people more dignity right so they can actually yeah. choose what they want you know what they need and stuff like that um and it's just it's convenient so it's like i'm always in that sort of conflict and like you know and it's just i live in a big city so it's easy i could just walk down the street and get things <laughs> i don't mm. really need to order much Yeah. yeah. Um, However, Alexa has, is changing my life uh, because my dad, you know, in the last year, his health has really suffered. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's still with us and, and, you know, mostly um, cogent, uh, but he's really losing a lot of physical capabilities. And so it got to a point where he, he really couldn't even use a smartphone anymore. And I don't have any listening devices in my house. Like, I don't, I mean, I have Siri on my phone, so it's like, well, I'm actually always carrying one with me. I know that, but otherwise I just try to minimize it. I I was even looking at like smart thermostats and I'm like, does it have a microphone? You know, like what the hell, why does everything, (laughs) Um, which is really funny. I feel like I'm regressing actually, like like I used to be so on the edge of technology and I had to have everything brand new and now I'm kind of like, "Uh." Uh, but anyway, the Alexa, which um, one piece of context that I think is important in the context of capitalism, which pops up in our discussions is that I've heard, I should validate this, but I heard from somebody that uh, Alexa loses about $10 billion a year. Which wouldn't wow. shock me. It's it's like the amount of research. It's so funny, actually. Remember back in college, I kept trying to get my Mac to like tell me a joke. Like that yes. was the the joke. Apple's voice tech has, you know what? I hope we don't get sued. Apple's voice tech has always really sucked, in my opinion, and and even Siri, I just feel like she can do sort of three things reliably, and that's it. Um, but you know, you've got now Alexa, which is remarkable. It's a, it's absolutely remarkable. And my dad, whose voice is. You know, he's, he's his voice is getting sort of weaker and, and uh, maybe a little more um, less, less clear and, and less linear in a way. Uh, now, I, I was able to do a little hacking on the back end, but I got it to the point where he can use his Alexa Echo Dot to call everybody in the family. And we can yeah. call him yeah. with his voice. So now there's this magical robot. And I'm just, it blew my mind because on the one hand I was like, oh, this is a weird validation of Amazon and their trillions of dollars because that's, <laughs> yeah. at least in our current structure, that's the only way we could possibly fund such a, such, yeah. such a project. And then um, just like, oh my God, like how many generations haven't had something like this? Like they, yeah. they just would get to a point where they just, nobody can communicate with them unless they stop by. So that person probably just ends up being extraordinarily lonely. You know, you, you know all the time. So, so that's something I, that's hitting me very personally right now, is relating to technology and listening devices. Yeah, capitalism. <laughs> it's just like ah. So it's it's a positive. So I like speaking to the positives, and I know. Yeah, no,
1: remember. no, no. It's a, it's it's wildly uh, important, and it well, and then but of course, what we know about technology, even as you put it in your dad's room, you're like, this is I think what we all need to healthily do. You're like, I acknowledge and know all the potential detriments of what I'm doing right now. Like he's not age range. He's not really like um, a highly marketed to, you know so they're not gonna prioritize what they're listening to Um, but like the ability for Alexa to better understand him makes him able to actually communicate in a way that could theoretically save his flipping life at some point, Um, that's fantastic. The fact that Alexa can understand his deteriorating voice, and then he's like, okay, well, that's fine, as long as you can understand me. It's the same thing that like, if you move uh, somebody who lives in a a two-story house, an older person, to a single-story house, their health can decline rapidly, because they no longer have to continually like work to make the effort to do this thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So then... You every single every single thing you do is a cost benefit analysis. I th- I think there's a an assumption I fall into this myself that if people are doing something, I tend to assume they think it is a good thing, a good thing, bold bold bold. You know what I mean? As opposed to, well, I kind of ran the cost benefit analysis here, and the benefit it's there's more benefit than cost, and the benefit the distinct benefits are so beneficial. That like whatever ethical concerns you might have about the corporation itself, the the data mining, that if it's on a loss, then it may very well, they, then whatever they accrue in terms of information through listening is worth that much to them, you know, which means, hold on a second. Should you be, should you be paying me to have an Alexa in my home? Potentially. Yes, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's just, it's just that the benefit has outweighed the cost. And I think, again, this is, speaks to the flexibility of our show in general, Um, is That's what we need to constantly, I think, focus on talking about when we are talking to each other in inflammatory ways is, okay, how did you arrive at that? Looking at the cost and the benefit, as opposed to if you, that lazy binary, the zoom out binary is like, why did you do this bad thing? Why did you do this good thing? That's, that's literally not what's happening. You know what I mean? And then if we could, then we're just talking about, oh yeah, I didn't see the harms that we both see as. The same size, or as overwhelming, or I didn't. I saw the benefits bigger than you saw them. So that's what we're literally talking about: the degrees, meaning the assemblages of tiny little black and white squares to keep it binary. Um, I didn't. I didn't see it in the same way. So then, in some ways, we're hopefully through technology. We're, and this is what I thought social media would be good for. We're all essentially having a, the same or very similar conversations. Uh, it's just a matter of. But th- this is the thing right. I've noticed, and I don't know if social media created this. I've had enough conversations with people where, and especially for the past couple of years, this is what's put me into, uh-oh, we need to slow down. We need to pause what's going on here. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, who have never have done no like cost-benefit analysis, no harm-benefit analysis at right. all. On, but then they have really adamant positions on things, which is like, that to me is a deadly, <laughs> a deadly uh, serum. Uh, I think is going to poison our entire society, and that's part of my fear for AI too. Because I feel like people, the, one of the potential uses, let me just say right now, the biggest harm of AI is going to be its use in pornography, just the same way the internet is dominantly pornography. Um, AI porn is going to is probably, I, I think, maybe the maximal harm. Um, but uh, secondly, I think people will have a tendency to outsource all of this processing stuff that they're already outsourcing to media or to the state or to stuff I heard or to what my tribe says, they're gonna start outsourcing that to AI. And I think that's what so much of the concern has been so far. It's like, yes, the fulfillment of the Terminator prophecy is is certainly prevalent, Um, but even more so uh, the headlines I've been seeing has been about the, um, whatever people can call it, like woke GBT or whatever, that like there's clear bias and there's many demonstrated examples. Go ahead and duck, duck, go it or Google it or Bing it, whatever you do. Bing has AI incorporated, so. Uh,
0: oh, that's their next, that's their comeback to take over search. Yeah, exactly. I, sure. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I need to run and and yeah. I, I feel like this is maybe one of our to be continued episodes. Yeah. Um, certainly something we both agree with, with and I don't know how we do this broadly, but like that we, we have all, we should have all these feedback loops with the harm benefit analysis, right? Yeah. We should constantly yeah. be like, you know, actually looking um but, but if, did you want to finish that thought about the Terminator prophecy
1: but yeah so not only the Terminator prophecy but that people I think are will very quickly be looking to AI to do their critical thinking for them yeah which hey yeah. might be might be better than none but since it is not the tech... right now the technology is what we don't have to fear yet it's who is programming the technology essentially is controlling the world
0: you know no I have a good friend of mine is like that's her whole passion and body work is just she's just like this is a critical moment because all the bias we program in right now is basically going to be like the the foundation of yeah, all, the, everything that's built yeah. on top of the of the AI for sure yeah it's a bedrock right. I love you I
1: love you awesome good to see you I, I hope you're a real person and not a deep fake because this was a lovely conversation
0: but wouldn't that justify the deep fake if we could have a lovely conversation anyway we'll talk and about it, that next.
1: Time. in a way it would all right